It, it, it sounded like it was going to be the start of something really funny. No. I mean, I was going to go into the whole nature of bots. Yeah? On Facebook, but I decided not to. <laughs> so I just... The holidays. That would have segued well into Westworld, but we've, we've done that one. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. How you feeling? Uh, you know, I'm not quite as sick. Okay. Um, I'm drinking coffee. I woke up and promptly started cleaning my house. Like, there was very little pause between me putting my feet on the floor and me then steam cleaning that floor. Huh. Steam cleaning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a deep clean. I like that. Uh, You know, when you have dogs, it's just the norm. Um, Like, a lot of dogs. I steam cleaner. I mean, you don't have as much hardwood or as much carpet you're more hardwood aren't you yeah it's entirely hardwood but still i think i want a steam cleaner i feel i want to be the kind of person that people think that guy owns a steam cleaner like how rory really wants people to know he owns a vacuum exactly like that i have to say you i I would have thought that his vacuum was a lot nicer based on the fact that he works for amazon but no it's just like one of those like stand-up dirt devils I think that giving someone crap about this one very small thing that they made a deal about is an excellent use of our time. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I love the fact that everybody's just kind of dogpiling on Rory about his vacuum cleaner. Well, it's funny because he, one of the things he said when we walked into his apartment to record Disney Channel was, so please mention I have a vacuum. And we were just, because his vacuum was just by the window. Because he clearly just vacuumed. And we're just like, okay, (laughs) we can do that. I mean, if you know Rory, it's not really the weirdest thing he's ever done. It's kind of his baseline normal. Um, (laughs) He's the person that I was texting you once, and he sent you a picture of him holding a a Canada sweater and flipping you off. That's, That's Rory. Sounds about right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's special. Um. What was I going to say? Uh, you in your Gilligan's Island recast actually skipped over the professor. I'm just going to state that. In your... I, think, I, I think we felt like we had settled on um, Danny, Danny Pudi, but you're right. We didn't get there. No, because I, I think you guys were also just getting bored of the whole shenanigans. Um, but Tom Hiddleston would have been a good professor if you could get the, that budget. I'm I'm a little over Tom Hiddleston. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that's but that's how you could get him for a Gilligan's Island reboot. You're right. You're right. Because it's like everyone's you, oh, over you, him. You thought you were gonna be James Bond. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's super cute. Um, but yeah, so that that was my that was my thought on listening to Twenty Minutes of Banter last night nice. as I was as I was falling asleep glad we can put you to sleep <laughs> i was gonna make a joke i'm like that's kind of your guys's your your audience <laughs> insomniacs that really need to go to sleep insomniacs mm. who want to feel better about themselves i'd say yeah so anyway i have a steam cleaner um that's, that's because i have nifty. dogs and i have a lot of carpet in my house and it's also we're we're coming into thanksgiving week 
which yeah. it's a it's a week. Tell me about it. I've been yeah. coordinating people coming in from out of town and who's staying where and when we're seeing who and and we we also have a lot of cleaning to do. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, you're doing Friendsgiving, right? Yep. To yeah, a pot. We're kind of doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice when you're friends with your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're doing half family, half kind of orphans Thanksgiving. Orphans in the Thanksgiving sense, or are you actually going to an orphanage and going all fagging and getting a getting a little gang together? Well, I mean, I already have my orphan gang. <laughs> Tell me, so, they're pickpockets. Um, no, they just they get free coffee for me. It's Seattle, after all. <laughs> I almost was wearing, because I, I, this, is, what I am wearing currently is, is truly just my pajamas. So, uh, my pajamas with steam cleaning solution on it, I'm sure. Um, so I was going to wear like a beanie and I'm like, no, I'm not going to wear a beanie because if Dan sees me, he's going to make fun of me for wearing a beanie. So I'm just going to deal with the fact that my hair is weird. <laughs> On the list of things I would make fun of you for, Beanie is not even in the top 20. So don't worry about it. I mean, you've made fun of me for Beanies before. Yeah, because I'd already run through the other 20. (laughs) Yeah, that's a Wednesday. (laughs) So I'm having my morning coffee at noon. (laughs) But the mug I'm drinking from I need to tell you the story of and then I'll actually get to what this podcast is about uh, you, heard, you heard it here first folks a mug story Continue. a mug story so my parents had these mugs that we, were, we always grew up with, uh, with they were these two mugs one was penguins and one was giraffes and this is how innocent and sweet Adair was she just she thought it was like a giraffe party and a penguin party and then our oldest sister, also named Maya, um, not that my other sister's name is Maya, but my podcasting partner is named Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maya brought it up that she's like, isn't it weird that mom and dad have like pornographic coffee mugs? And I was probably in high school at this point, And I just was like, what are you talking about? And if you look at both the penguin mug and the giraffe mug, besides the the animals being adorable, they are in an orgy. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's full on animal orgies. <laughs> and so when we moved out of the house, as adults sometimes do, Anne got the penguin mug and I got the giraffe mug. And nicely this morning, Anne poured her coffee in her penguin mug and my coffee and my giraffe mug. And so I'm just... I'm just staring at a giraffe orgy. You know what? I'm actually... I'm going to turn my camera on just for a second so you can see this. Oh. Oh, my. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's quite the mug. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is my childhood, in a nutshell. In a coffee mug. <laughs> you got me all confused there with your Spanish. <laughs> Oh, I'm stuck to my chair. How would that happen? Everything's (laughs) filthy here. Uh, (laughs) um, Live from Grey Gardens, it's slow claps and rewrites. (laughs) 
So I will openly state that when you suggest three quotes, if you suggest an Ayn Rand quote, I immediately will say no. It is the one thing you and I have always disagreed on in our friendship. Uh, duh. <clears throat> Don't you realize that that was just a bait and switch? I only had two that I really cared about, so I just threw in an Ayn Rand quote. <laughs> You're like, Hedare won't use this. Yep. Huzzah! I was like, gonna pad this list. It's the, it's the Hornburger method. You know, a bad one, a good one, and then a really bad one to uh, to make you pick the middle one. Mm. Okay, Pete. You are kind of like Pete. I can get that. Ooh. Get your hands stuck in vending machines. I don't don't continue with that list. Uh, this is uh, Mulaney. I liked Pete Hornberger from Thirty Rock. I don't think I can. <laughs> I like I, that you I, have I to don't say from Thirty Rock. If, if people don't understand who we're talking about, I don't think they should be listening to this podcast. I don't want you as a subscriber. I'm kidding. Please subscribe. Please spread this to your friends. I'm, I'm so we, desperate. We really, we, we really want you here. <clears throat> Shut up, Dan. You must stay drunk on writing, so reality cannot destroy you. Ray Bradbury. Yeah, from Zen and the Art of Writing. Nice. You and your book learning. I just love me some Ray Bradbury. You know, I was in a Ray Bradbury play. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was in Fahrenheit 451. Huh. How is the stage what? adaptation? I can't say I've ever seen it. I mean, it was pretty cool. I was the voices for the most part. You know how, like, all the uh, clocks and stuff have really mm-hmm. creepy voices? Yeah. Like, that was my job. Nice. And it's the only time I've ever been in an audition where I come up with something in the audition that I immediately am like, they're going to cast me in this part because of what I just did. Like, <laughs> I genuinely know that this is, this is my part now. So yeah, I'm, uh, I was like all the clocks and stuff like that. And then I was later on a book person. I think it was Antoine saint Exupéry. You know, when you have that moment in an audition... Do you know what the appropriate theatrical protocol is, right? No. What is it? After you leave the audition, when you walk out and shut the door behind you and you see everyone else waiting in the hallway to audition or who has just auditioned, you have to go, booked it, and then snap and walk away. Yeah, that seems definitely like something I would do. Well, I mean, it's it's the theater. Nobody knows why we say break a leg, but we do it. You know, this, these are the theatrical traditions that have made the American stage so magnificent. Mm. This is probably why I dropped my drama minor in college. So you did not book it. <clears throat> no, I mean, no, not in the least. Figured three minors was enough. Yeah, probably. Oh, there's a music joke about minors major... No, no, it's past. It's past. I'm not going to do it. You're the modern major general, man. I am. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, lots so of ums. Lots of... Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so Dan, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Thanksgiving's coming. I'm really thankful for you. I'm really Aww. thankful for our talks both on and off air. People may Include- not realize this, but we are actually friends. Well, I did I did uh, exchange quite a few drunk texts with you last night, so. Oh, you were drunk? Nice. Oh, Noted. super drunk. Only time I post mm-hmm. on Instagram is when I'm drunk. 
It's the only time it seems. Yeah, like a good idea. you put like an oddly like poetic post, and I was like, someone's using Instagram for weird reasons. Yep, only time it feels natural. And then I I, I edited it today because I was like, well, oh, that wasn't really a sentence. Let's try that again. <laughs> <laughs> and take two. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, noted, noted. I'm really glad I, I, I. Uh, talk to you about things it explains why you got so up in arms about all the things i'm kidding well i am uh i would say nothing if not passionate but yeah i you got hella passion yeah i have been i've been i've been feeling a lot of interesting pushes and pulls i got done with my first week at the new job um and there was a lot of putting out of fires including one literal one um where who somebody was uh going to one of the people who rent from us was going to have a little lunch for their team and instead of ordering in they got like a full-on catering company to come and it had the little sterno candles that keep the food warm underneath and when they were cleaning up their lunch some one of them knocked it over and they didn't have the fancy sternos that burn out of gel it was the liquid and it went all over the table so there was a liquid fire on a glass conference table, and then Damn. some of it dripped off onto a rolled-up projector screen. Um, yeah. I mean, they put it out, but it's a fun story. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, so. dude. Mm-hmm. That was week one. That was, like, day two. <laughs> so, coming up with some new policies in light of recent events. That makes sense. Wow, um, dude, your your life is interesting. It is at times, but it's one of those things where I, I see how much actual work is going to be involved with this new job and everything, and it's already cut into some creative energies that I have and time, but it's going to get better because yeah. I won't have bar shifts anymore because this week I did uh, a full eight-hour and then another uh, seven hour doing a bar shift. And it's like, once that is done, that'll be more manageable. But yeah, yeah. I saw your sister's very sweet post about your guys' last shift together. That was really cute. It's weird. I worked there for three years. Um, and I'm not, like, I'm still going to do the occasional Saturday and fill in sometimes. Mm-hmm you know, get some extra spending money, but when I want to. And like when I turned in my two weeks and sat down and talked with the boss, it was really sad, but really nice. Like I couldn't have scripted it. He was so supportive and so cool. And he said to me, I always want people to leave this job and I always want it to be for something better. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was just like, it was a really nice moment. And I walked out of the bar and Got a little, got a little misty-eyed. I mean, you've been to the bar. We've spent a lot of fun times in that bar. Oh no! Like that's my St. Patrick's Day bar. I spent mm-hmm. many St. Patrick's days in that bar. Yeah. It's weird thinking about my this next trip I'm taking because I'm taking it in April rather than March, and I'm like, wow, what will I do? This is weird because this has been like <laughs> my tradition every spring yeah. to go to New York to see you. And it'll be, you'll have to deal with me more because it'll be more to see you and Courtney and Cameron and Amanda than to see like a big group of people. Although two of my cousins now live in New York, I just realized. 
So. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, one's yeah. always lived there. Well, since you since you moved there, she's lived there too. She's been going to school at Barnard. Um, okay. But yeah, but my another one of my cousins who was raised in France and then who's just been, uh, she's a photographer and she's been working in Paris and then she just moved to New York uh, in the at the end of summer. So hopefully I'll see some cousins. I'll be nice. Yeah. One of these years, I, I want you to come and visit in the fall, because New York fall is just my absolute favorite. Yeah, I think I think it's possible next year. We'll see. I, I actually, I always do miss New York more in the fall, mm. just because it's, New York in the fall is really beautiful, as is Seattle, but I've also been to, in Seattle for every fall. Yeah. Ever. Been there, done that. <laughs> and it's a very long season, so, like, we're still in fall. It's weird how fall doesn't make me necessarily miss Missoula, but it awakens that time in my life, because that was, again, my favorite time of year, when I first started writing poetry. Oh, yeah. And, and when it became like this, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Like this cathartic coping mechanism that just... I don't know. Poetry just meant so... It still means a, a lot to me, but I was I was really depressed through the entire time I went to school there. Um, and every fall now, I just think back on just like walking around campus and downtown and in the university district and just like speaking poems to myself as they were just... It was just being flooded with it and then getting somewhere, sitting down and writing for a while. And it was just such a unique time in my... I'll sound bougie. My creative journey. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting how, how seasons definitely bring those those nostalgic feelings out of those moments. Yeah, and like our friendship. I, I have a very fall feeling about our friendship. We're Even though that. we became friends in winter, yeah, go on. Yeah, but we're not like beach friends, you know. Like <laughs> that's... we are beach friends. We're we are walking around. I think the some of the biggest moments in our friendship definitely came for in the winter, and mm-hmm. so I definitely start missing you around January because, as I recall, that was the time we both left our uh, our mutual friend's house and we're like, let's go on a beer run, yep. and sang a lot. Uh, that, that that was when we became friends. And then you also kept me company. I texted you while I was on a trip with our mutual friends because I was uh, choosing to be sober that trip. And yeah. that was that was a <laughs> bad idea for me based on who I was with. It's interesting to look at text messages because, like, you know, Kim Kardashian is like put, has put out a coffee table book of her Instagram posts or something insane like that. Um, but then to look at these, right. But you could look at these like micro exchanges, tweets, or, you know, text messaging and things like that. And especially when it, when it's two people exchanging funny quips and stuff, there is something there. I don't think it's worth being a a coffee table book necessarily, but it's interesting to me how the little artistic turns of phrase or clever wordplay come out in a daily basis in our lives versus like oh, yeah. having to sit down and write a letter or something like that. But yeah, just like the art in texting, I find fascinating. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I think some really cool poems could come out of texts 
I had a really interesting conversation about tree stars in the land before time last night via text. <gasps> Were you in college? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, no. Do- uh, I was at work. I was nice. babysitting last night. Nice. I also had this really weird situation where I was driving back from where I was babysitting because sometimes I babysit and also the holidays are coming up. (laughs) And, um, sorry. So I was driving back from babysitting and I was driving behind a car and I was driving behind them for a really long time, like almost from when I started my drive to almost when I ended my drive. But I, it took me about half the drive to realize I'm driving behind a car that's identical to mine. I have a little red Fiat. So it's not so peculiar because it's a pretty popular car in Seattle. But then I like look at the license plate um, and it's the same uh, place that I bought my Fiat. It's the same dealer, dealership. It's the same dealership. <laughs> you can tell where my brain's at. Um, <laughs> it is Seattle, <clears throat> so it could be both. <laughs> yep. So it's the same dealership. And uh, yes, yeah. We buy your weed, buy your car. Don't do not do them together, but you know, still. Um, yeah, so I was driving behind them for a really long time, and I was like noticing like they had this little like dent where I have a dent, and I had this moment of what if I am driving behind myself in a parallel universe, like an <laughs> alternate reality version of myself? And it was the weirdest thought to have because it's, you know, 10 o'clock on Saturday night. I'm like, I should be out doing something, not thinking that I'm driving behind myself. That but this is where is, my brain goes. That sounds like a good episode of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, also your 20 minutes of banter discussion uh, about Black Mirror and how you guys decided that I was a robot. So thanks for that. <laughs> An Amazon product, but well, you know. And Listen also to 20 minutes ha- of banter, folks. You'll, you'll hear a lot more of this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, but as we've, we've said, uh, we were talking about last night, I'm, I'm now going to like listen beforehand so I can ding you if you and be like, eh, no, you can't tell that story. Yep. You already told it. I, um, I double dipped and I owned up to that in this week's 20 minutes of banter. I accept my shame and I wear it um, like a incestuous, power hungry queen of a distant and forgotten mythical made up kingdom. I was really wondering where you were going with it. I liked it. Just um, upward. I liked that you ended. I liked that you went with Cersei Lannister. That was a good one to do. Um, but you kind of sound like Stewie when he makes fun of Brian's novel. Oh, how, yep. how's that novel going gonna, for you? Gonna gonna put put some some words on the page. Gonna arrange them into a paragraph. Gonna maybe get some some chapters out of that. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, <laughs> But yes, I, I was, I, I laughed at that. I'm, I'm, to, I'm totally going to edit it out. This is the beauty of, of our podcast. I edit so much out. Like last time I mentioned something about myself and I'm like, that sounds boastful and just deleted. I'm like, I sound so much better. <laughs> well, and it really helps when you get on your anti-Zionist rants because we have a lot of subscribers in Israel and I just, I, I appreciate that you can accept that and taper your own really strong yeah. political feelings yeah all my strong political feelings <laughs> so strong they're so strong so strong, <laughs> so strong. i i had them i just don't share them 
as as we've discussed, I delete when I talk about politics. Yep. It's it's good. Um, no, I I added Kahlua into my coffee because of who I am as a person. I'm I, I'm gonna give you a slow clap for that one. Now let me rewrite that sentence, and we'll make it better. You so what's? No, go. That no, it's fine. I was just getting no. to say, you know, keep keep it holstered. We don't have to use them one right after the other. It's a long show. We got a long title. Well, we can, we can we can hold up. <laughs> well, what's funny is we we had. I want to explain the title of our of our podcast because the podcast that we made where we decided the title of our podcast was deleted from the computer. So never to see po- the light of day. <laughs> so that podcast is never going to be heard. But there, our first podcast that we ever had, I made some joke about how I sometimes write a poem and then I read it and then I just slow clap to myself because I'm like, well done, Adair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it kind of just, it, it, it devolved into some madness uh, as... Often it does with us. What? Not with us. We always stay so well on track. We're great. <laughs> yeah. Talk. Uh, let's talk about our TV episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So that was like the whole point is like I this this visual of me sitting in bed alone and someone just peeks in and sees me looking at a computer and just slow clapping at my own work. I'm pretty sure I have a list somewhere in my phone. That's just band names that you and I have come up with. Really? I mean, we've done yeah. that a, f- a fair amount. I mean, our friendship is is fraught with with drunk ideas that will never see the light of day. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is like the volume of stuff that we come up with. Like, mm-hmm. we get a, we we are never short of ideas, you and I. Um, yeah, we, we, we struggle going through one conversation and not coming up with a new creative project to do together, which is a great thing about an artistic friendship, but not a great thing for a regular friendship. Well, and not a great thing for a, a practical life. Like, there's always so many ideas and so many projects and so many different directions to go in that sometimes it's like when you open Netflix and you're like, there are 18 different good shows that I haven't watched and I don't know what to watch. To bring it back mm-hmm. to TV, because we're incapable of escaping that. Um, it's just this weird, like, creative paralysis that's a really good problem to have. But it's like, we've come up with 18 different ideas just now about things that we want to write or create. And I, pick one. What do we do? What do we do first? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I think our... Right now, obviously, this is our focus with the poetry blog. And I think they fit nicely together. But I, I, I did like I what we were talking about while you were drunk last night. And I am going to hold you to it that we will work on that screenplay. Because I do really love that idea. Me too. I think... It's, um, it, it's close to my heart. Well, it's it's a good idea. I think, I mean... I just dropped everything. You, I literally you dropped okay, buddy? everything. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I, <laughs> Like there was a gravity shift, so everything went up. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Who's driving this spaceship? Um, no, I. There's you know all, there's all the someday projects, and there's all the you know 
when I when I've done X, then I can do Y sorts of things. But it's nice when those ideas aren't just alone on a little sheet of paper somewhere. Like that's the beauty of collaboration and like why I'm so attracted to producing and being a mm-hmm. part of a team that makes something happen is there's accountability that you have more than just your dreamy someday journal of things you want to do. And then it it comes back around where just the process of making things with other people really gives you the fire to do the other stuff on your own, at least in my experience. The more I'm involved with other people's stuff, the more I can carry that energy back into my own stuff. I wholeheartedly agree. I also, I know I've said this before, but I do love having partnerships and I have a few creative partnerships. Yours is my oldest and I feel like my, the one that I have so many things that collaboratively that are kind of in the works. But I love this idea of there is that person to hold you accountable for, you know, contributing, for coming up with ideas, for being a part of a team. And I think that is something that's really great about creative endeavors that you can do them on your own, but it's also really helpful often to do it as as a partner or group activity. Mm-hmm. I that sounds like preschool, but I I do love it. Like I love being accountable to someone because I think ultimately it's hard sometimes to be accountable to yourself. And more than just like I don't know, like a, it's one thing to say, "Hey, friend, hold me accountable to going to the gym. Text me every Friday and ask if I've been to the gym. That's one level of accountability. But if you have a friend and you're like, no, we're going to the gym together, that's going to be our thing. It's, it's way different. Like I've had people who will check in with me or try to encourage me, but when we're actually pursuing something together, it's more than like a sense of accountability. It's this team effort thing. Like if I drop the ball that we're going to lose the game. Like it's not, it's, it's all of us succeeding and failing at this thing together versus holding, you know, somebody accountable to do something they said they would do. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, my dog really agrees with you too. Which dog? Um, Maisie. Maisie, I'm not a, I'm not a dog on TV. You don't have to bark at me. I have headphones on. She can't hear you. Well, sign language it to her. I know she signs really well. My mom, I think, is here, and that's why she's doing that. She's mad because I gated the stairs, so she can't go downstairs. She's, like, super pissed at me. She woke up this morning and wanted to leave the bed, and I was not going to leave the bed because I was like, bitch it is like 8 30 in the morning on sunday no and she slapped me like she full-on swiped my face with her little pug paw wow that's rude welcome to my life Maisie. Maisie, stop anywho i'm glad she listens uh, yeah, I what you were saying also, I feel like that's sometimes why people like being in relationships mm. is, you know, there is that person that's holding you accountable. And sometimes you don't want to be held accountable. And that's why relationships sometimes don't work. But you yeah. want to have someone, you know, that can call you out or can help you become better. And 
there is like something to be said about how so many people when they talk about relationships are like they make me a better version of myself yeah um and there's something to be said about being a human and you just sometimes kind of regress into your basic instincts because that's who we are so maybe I don't want to write 30 minutes every day, but if I have, you know, a significant other cheering me on or asking what I'm writing about, I'm more likely to write. I have been writing 30 minutes uh, every day so far. And with that sort of cheerleader effect, there's like this, I don't know, it, 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 just, it makes whatever you're working on feel bigger than it is. Like, when someone else is invested in it emotionally and invested in your success, it becomes more important than a silly little idea you have in your head. And the way we just talk down to ourselves when an idea comes or, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll think something is really cool and then you start working on it and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm not a writer. And then if somebody else is interested and is, like, checking up on you, it just, it validates it. It seems like... Oh, no, I am a creator. People are interested in what I'm creating. I do have a right to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also like that when in your internal monologue, you're Squidward from SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I like that. <laughs> Pretty much. I am, I am consistently Squidward. To my, my little sister's SpongeBob, I am Squidward. Oh, my God, yes. Mm-hmm. That is so accurate. Actually, by the time this goes up, she will have just opened uh, Legally Blonde, the musical, as Elle Woods. So congratulations, Whitney. I'm sure you did amazing. Yeah, did she, does she listen to the podcast? She, we uh, talk about her a lot. She <clears throat> definitely listens to some of them. I'm not sure. She doesn't give me specific I mean, feedback. but uh, she's, a, she's a very busy woman. <laughs> I was going to say, she, it's not like she's doing 21 credits and two shows and you know, is about to go on a national tour. I'm sure when she's on her national tour, she's going to listen to a lot of this on the road. And At least she just better. started a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I I creeped on that one hard. Yeah, you, you have a very interesting uh, amount of interest in my family. <laughs> I'm mainly Whitney because I know her. And I just think she is one of the best people. I mean, obviously, I love her because she's your sister, but... Well, she's you're just not one wrong. People, she's awesome. Well, she's just one of those people that I really want good things to happen to. And I remember... Do you remember, like, this summer when that there was a, a Facebook comment and I just, like, got really frustrated and started, like, defend... I never get, like, Facebook angry. I never write stuff on Facebook when it... Especially when it gets to political stuff. Like, I'm not... That's not my Facebook presence. Like, I really am barely on it right now for reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't, like, get into rants. I don't, like, do anything like that. But when your sister was being, like, not attacked, like, but her, her strength of character was being questioned. That's the best way I can put it. I yep. got really, really mad. And that was when I like I was like texting you. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is happening. <laughs> like I'm well, just gonna when, do this. Uh, when nasty little backwards thinking shitty, shitty people and I mean that, shitty little people come after good people, 
under some false contrived platitude and then try to play the victim when they initiated it, those people are awful and need to be taken down a peg. And now I'm remembering how I felt this summer when that happened. And if it had been possible, given my location when it happened, uh, I'm glad I was not geographically near this child who was acting like a child. Because they, like the they needed a child. They needed a face-to-face lecture about civility and the way to address an issue with a friend is not by openly airing some dirty laundry on the Facebook thread that has literally nothing to do with you. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is it's just there's no place for it. And also it's so easy to... You know, this is the thing about social media that I really can't stand is it is so easy to just like state something that has some level of malice and just walk away from it because there's absolutely no repercussion for that. Well, like somebody can spend years working on a movie, movie comes out, and then people just tweet, this was stupid, this sucked, I hate this. And it's like, that's fine. Um, But the instantaneous rejection and hatred that can be lobbed at entertainment, Ghostbusters is a good example. Probably not a great movie. Did it deserve to be eviscerated by the internet? Mm, I don't think so. Um, no, but the same, yeah. It didn't. People, politicians, whole groups, like anybody can put anything out there and immediately have it accessible to people. And instead of mulling something over or really thinking about it or internalizing it or deciding how it makes you feel, we can just instantly say, "Nope, that's stupid. I hate it, and you should hate it too. And if you don't hate it, you're wrong." Moving on. Well, yeah, and I think social media has some really great aspects to it. It allows you to really be in touch with people that you might, I mean, you know the, all the reasonings. Like, you can right. be in touch with people you're not necessarily close with and everything. But I think it allows us to phone it in as being, like, human beings sometimes. And that's what bothers me about it. And I can't really preach to not have it because I do have it. I I run a social media for a company, so I can't not have social media. I recognize the importance of it, but it is hard as a person to see this, especially in the, this time of year, because there are a lot of feelings. But there, I think, at this time, action is more important than mm-hmm. than anything else, and putting action behind your feelings is a really good lesson on how to be a person in this world. And that's, it's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing to be held accountable for, for how you're feeling and what you want the world to be. And it's so much easier to just put something out there about how you're, uh, about how you're feeling and leave it and let it fester. Well, and considering that we all curate our friends, like if somebody says something that offends you or you don't agree with, you unfollow them. And if a news source that you don't like, you know, is popping up in your feed, you can say, see less of this or block this or whatever. And so we've curated for ourselves these unintentional safe spaces where it feels like the world has changed because you have blocked, banned, or unsubscribe from everything that is offensive or contrary to your worldview and all of your friends that you still allow to come up in your feed align enough with your worldview that you haven't blocked or gotten rid of them so if that's 
if that's your portal into the world primarily and if that's how you're gauging things it would look like we live in a rainbows and sunshine world no matter what well, you yeah. believe and well, so I mean, I it think... would feel like enough you don't oh i don't have to go march in the streets or sign a petition look how lovely the facebook world is that i've made for myself well yeah and that i mean you just basically put the uh, you know it was the nail on the head of what happened with the election last week which yep. was we are in our liberal bubbles, you in New York, me in uh, Seattle. Forgot where I live for a second. <laughs> I mean, we didn't see what was going on. We are so segregated as a country. And mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't, I don't feel like this is the place for it. But we are segregated as a country. And we were so oblivious because of the fact that we sh- chose to focus on whatever media catered to our own interest. That's what we wanted to hear. And Mm -hmm. that's why so many people were so surprised by the outcome. And I am, I am victim of this. Like I, I did this as well. I, I do not consider myself above it. It was shocking to me, but it also reminded me that I need to, inform myself and I need to be more open to the opinions and feelings of others because it was this idea of I was so focused on one part of a community of people that I didn't even think about the other part of the community well unlike I mean it's interesting even our entertainment speaks volumes to it like we we have in so many ways entertainment has just changed and what's presented and what is this picture of America through entertainment of like, well, this is what America is because this is what our entertainment looks like. And there is a real, without being disparaging, I'll just say there's a real diversity of ideas and concerns that I think a lot of us have either neglected or forgotten about or assumed don't exist anymore. Good and bad. Like there's plenty of people and situations that have been completely forgotten and neglected that should not be and there are plenty of real problems that we have swept under the rug or assumed don't exist anymore and i hope that going forward we all just make an effort to get involved with things that make us uncomfortable like make friends with people you disagree with vehemently have conversations that are difficult make people defend their beliefs and have your own beliefs put on trial and see if they stand up to scrutiny because right now nobody's debating we're demanding and that happens in an artistic way with writing about topics that may not interest us in our own little perfect zen coastal metropolis cities and pursuing an audience and a conversation with people that might not seek us out you know yeah i agree um hooray let's talk poetry yeah (laughs) yeah like it's it's a lot of stuff and it's it's something that we're gonna be talking about for years to come um because you know we're a work in progress dave Chappelle had a some really great sketches on last Mm -hmm. week's snl regarding i think that my favorite one being the election party um Mm -hmm. Because of the fact that uh, there, it, it, there, is su- there was such a, an obliviousness. So, yep. I, I, and 
<clears throat> and he's sort of this voice of reason of like, oh, really? That's the worst case scenario? Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, him and Chris Rock, great in that. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was very accurate. Um, Quite apt. But yeah, uh, yes, it was, it was very apt. There's an artist I'm glad to see again. Dave Chappelle. I forgot yes. until I saw the Negan sketch with all of his Chappelle characters. I God, forgot yes. how much I missed him. Oh, I missed him so much. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It made me want to go back on Netflix. Actually, speaking of, if you could pitch me a Netflix show right now, what would you pitch me? I, I, I feel like I haven't heard one of your pitches in a while. Oh, if I could pitch you a Netflix show... Um, mm-hmm. It has to be Netflix, though. Okay, it has to be Netflix. I yeah would really like to do. Um, oh no, I've already pitched you that one. Um, I was thinking. <laughs> I know it's hard. I'm like, what haven't I told you about? Um, I was thinking <laughs> while I was watching while I was watching The Crown. Um, which I just finished. Oh by God! The way. I don't know yes, I, I've been so, watching it so much. Naked Doctor Who. Uh, it's it's spectacular. It's so good. I I love that show, and seeing that kind of budget on display and that sort of cinematography and real like I think Netflix needs to double down on period pieces. And there's one that I've really wanted to do for a while now that would be like the last days of vaudeville. Um, and it'd Ooh. be like this fi- this troupe touring through major cities and the American South and the Midwest during the Depression as like the tail end of the vaudeville circuit. Like they're kind of the last big troupe and showcasing these incredibly talented performers that by today, a, a lot like what they do on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, people that wouldn't be the leads in musical theater have leads on mm-hmm. that show because of type mm-hmm. and other bullshit. They wouldn't like on a Broadway show. That's just not who would have been cast um, to do a little bit of that and to find really incredible, talented actors, not unlike what they did with freak show um, and mm-hmm. give them a, a platform, give them a place to create this troupe, this ensemble and dealing with things like racism and homophobia and prejudice against the deformed or handicapped throughout America, especially at that time. Still today, of course, as we're seeing. Um, but I have this brilliant idea for a, if I do say so myself, for a scene with um, a black performer who's performing in blackface, um, which happened back then. They did minstrel shows where black people would put on this exaggerated blackface and do like really racist caricature portrayals of their own people and the characters I've envisioned him is a brilliant actor and of Shakespearean proportions and so he does <laughs> all of my tomorrows and tomorrows and tomorrows he does the King King Lear monologue while putting on his, his blackface makeup because it's the only way he can get through it he has to remind himself that he is an artist that this is who he is underneath all of that Underneath this shtick and this crap that he has to do to make a living and still remotely be in his craft, this is who he is. I like that. I like that a lot. I feel yeah. I feel a lot of feelings about it. 
Right. On a brighter side, you should come to Drunk Shakespeare next time you're in Seattle with me. It's great. Um, I miss them this time, but I'm going to catch them the next time. Uh, there's an improv theater, uh, Shakespeare company that improvs an entire two-hour Shakespeare show based on the audience suggestion of the title and a couple like little key things. And they do the whole gambit. They do like six interconnecting storylines all coming together in a finale, like in the appropriate language with all like it's supposed to be incredible but i missed them and i was disappointed by that hmm sounds cool <laughs> i decided i actually no i mean like i like i don't think i could do it that i i just got a little stressed out when you were talking about it. i'm like i couldn't no, um it's too much well uh, now i would like <clears throat> you to pitch me an amazon series knowing the different flavor between the two Mm. At some point. Take your time. We oh, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, the series. Going into history as well. Joan of Arc. Ooh. Um, a Joan of Arc series. Because, I mean, really, there's been some movies, but like I feel like Lily Sobieski was the last Joan of Arc that I really remember a movie going on. Plus, with. it's such a long and interesting life. It is. I mean... And you can't sum it up in, I think, two hours. I think you need a series. Um, Absolutely. If Mary Queen of Scots gets a series, she should get a series. Um, but totally. the idea behind it being that Joan of Arc is actually a transgender male. Interesting. Yeah. So this this what if it's sort of like the those uh, shows and movies where it's like Shakespeare didn't write his plays. It's sort of like that. Mm-hmm. But um, this idea of this young man thinking that, uh, wanting to be a woman, but, and also having these visions of God. And so oh, this... I almost think it would be, I've, I've heard uh, theories of this, um, but I really? thought it was the reverse, that, that she was a trans man. Oh, I, well, I, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think I just, uh, I think I just spaced uh, my verbiage. No. You're, you're good. I won't send the social justice warriors after you. Um, you. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, I think that'd be a good show. But I think also, like, I, I, I definitely, uh, I, I didn't know of that theory, but that was just something I was thinking of. I was like, that'd be, that'd be interesting. I could write that yeah, show. Yeah, I, I saw an article about that a couple of years ago, but it's, it's like a very fringe academic theory. That would be great, Adair. Yeah. That would be so cool. Sweet. All right. Uh Copyright on those. Um, patent pending. Um, also, uh, since we're discussing Netflix, Amazon, etc., what would you recommend for me this week? This week, I would actually recommend... Um, this is strange, but I'm going to recommend a play to you oh, to read. Intriguing. Um, it's a play called Other Desert Cities. Um, it had its premiere at Lincoln Center a few years back, and it's about um, a f- formerly very active political family, um, but there was a tragedy, and they stepped out of the light. So now the parents just kind of live in the desert. Their son is a TV producer, and their daughter has recovered from some severe depression and is back home. To reveal to the family that she has written a tell-all book about the tragedy that happened to them from her perspective. And she's not really getting their blessing. 
but she definitely wants it. But it's, I mean, the book's going to be published in a matter of a month. Whoa. So it's it's too late to stop the train at this point. And the whole evening, the way it plays out and the things that are revealed and the relationships that develop, it's a very well-crafted play. It's extremely good. Um, but I'm, I'm doing a scene from it in acting class, and I'd read it before, and I think we might be trying to do a reading of it in the spring. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Maybe in April? So, hmm. Maybe in April. But I highly, highly recommend that you you read that play. I wanted to throw you a curveball since we usually do television. No, I totally dig it. Um, and also on that tangent, though, I had been wondering this. I was having a whole conversation with a friend of mine actually at the Drunk Shakespeare. And we were discussing, mm-hmm. like, the role we would love to play. And I, 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 I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I did used to act. Like, you know this, but I don't think people who mm-hmm. listen. I... I I performed for about 12 years um, and stopped acting junior year of college. Um, So uh, we all, I think, have like that role that we really love or feel like Mm -hmm. we could bring something to. Is there a, what is that role for you? I'm very curious. I have been really, really lucky in that one of those roles for me was Jamie, Jamie. from the last five yeah. years. And that was what I was thinking. It twice now. That's so awesome. It's and not, what's it's with not your my, life? It's, yeah, and it's it's not necessarily my be-all, end-all, but up until a couple of years ago, I never thought I would be capable of Shakespeare. I just thought that was like, oh, real actors do Shakespeare. I'm not good enough for that. But the growth that I've experienced since moving to New York as an actor and the work that I've been able to do... Um, and the feedback and people suggesting me for Shakespeare stuff and wanting to do some readings and productions. And I'm like, but me? With Shakespeare? Okay. And you so just like look behind like yourself. What? Who, who are like, you speaking huh? to? Um, but I would really like to play Hal um, in Henry, Henry Fourth, Part 1 and 2 and... and uh, I, I just think it'd be such a great, great part. Like I, I, I like just to to play the, the irresponsible prince who has to pick up the mantle. It's like that and or Hotspur. Like he's, I, I got to do a scene as Hotspur, and there's much more going on than I ever realized. He's a really dynamic, dynamic villain. But at the end of the day, my be all end all is to be a Jedi Knight. <laughs> um and. Now that Disney owns Star Wars, they will. There, there may be an opportunity for me sometime in the future. But I, I, I want to be a Jedi Knight. <laughs> I honestly have always really liked the idea of you playing Mercutio. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's like his last like real speech that he gives. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not, I guess not the last, but. Uh, I mean, I love his speech when he's dying, but also, like, the I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Um, uh, I just, I don't know why, but the last time I read Romeo and Juliet, I thought of you when I was reading that part, and I don't know why, but that was just really something, something I, when, I love that. When were you reading it? I'd say 2012, right after I moved here. Oh, Okay. I was going to say, was it this summer? Because I was doing a monologue from Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I did not know that. Um, 
Yeah, I played I the prince, new things. and it was fun. Very cool. I, I that's yeah. that's very cool to hear. What what um. What would what would what would you still want to play? Would you want to play Joan of Arc? No, <clears throat> I'd say I have a Shakespeare uh, a Shakespeare role and then a more modern piece. Um, I lucked out the last scene I did for a drama course in college. I did Alice from Closer, and nice. I loved that role. She's just so interesting. And heartbreaking and confusing. And there was just such a combination of wisdom and naivete that I loved with playing her. And so that was that was the part that I would love to be doing. And then Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing. Nice. Yeah. Those are my two. Oh, also, my recommendation for you this week because I have been watching it all week and I just finished season one, is Supergirl. <laughs> um, on a whim, I started watching it and then I just couldn't stop. Well, I've heard good things and it's not Once Upon a Time, so I will check it out after I finish Black Mirror. Yeah, for sure. Um, but have I told you, wait, hold San, San Junipero, I think it's season three, episode four, hold it till the end. Watch that one last. Because if you don't, you're going to be really depressed for a while. And so that... Season three, episode four? Yeah, make that your last Black Mirror episode. Skip. So go from season three, episode three, to season three, episode five. And watch it. Got it. Watch it like that. And then wait for San Junipero till the end. Because uh, there's not many happy Black Mirrors. And this isn't necessarily happy, but more optimistic. And a really well done episode like i was really i loved the concept Mm. okay i'll keep that i'll keep the viewing note in mind yeah that's 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 the it's sort of like how ann told me to skip the first episode and then watch it like at the end of season three which i was so thankful for and so this was my this is my addition to it well i appreciate that um it's a good note so i So we've been talking a lot about the creative process. Um, And I want to know, like, what what have you been up to since we last spoke? Like, I know that creatively we've both been having a little bit of struggle. So I would like to hear what's going on. I've been having, like, a lot. I've been having, like, a lot of struggle. So I would like to hear about that, and I'd like us to talk about that, and then I'd like us to, you know, workshop this piece that you sent me that I really enjoyed. I laughed quite a bit. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, it definitely, um, it had that effect on me. It was really nice to send this, because I this piece I actually wrote years ago. I wrote this in college. Um, but you weren't and, in college, right, while you wrote it? No, I wasn't in college. Um, but yeah, I've been feeling really down because I haven't been nearly as productive as I wanted to be this month and I've been having a lot of writer's block and just like I don't have time right now I just haven't had any time and I don't like my time on the subway is now composing emails for work stuff because I'm getting bombarded Mm -hmm. before I even get to the train and it's cut into my creative time in a big way and actually my my wife was really really great 
and sent me this text the other day saying, remember this job is not who you are. It is a temporary and wonderful thing. This thing that is supposed to provide me with the monetary and time freedom eventually to really pursue stuff is right now crippling me. And that was a really hard thing that I grappled with this week and and last. And it's been very, very hard to find time. But like my my wife sent me this wonderful text reminding me that this job is not who I am. This job is a thing that I do. Who I am is a creator and a creative type. And accepting that from another person was really big and helped me not succumb to imposter syndrome so much is like no i i've already done things i've already like we've got some big announcements coming down the pipe there are lots of things happening right this is just like a hard week don't let your lack of productivity and falling off the wagon with this writing thing for a little bit don't let that wreck the last you know shit seven almost eight years of really forward momentum. Like it was, it was weird how hard it hit me. Cause it just felt like because it's a job versus my own sloth or personal problems, it seems insurmountable. Like this is just what life is now because it's a job, you know? No, I get that. I mean, having two jobs right now, as well as some things on the side, as well as, five or six creative projects at a time, it gets really daunting. I mean, I texted you this week where I was like, I'm losing my goddamn mind right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I just feel, I feel like the things I'm putting out are half-assed and not what I want to be putting out there. And then I get these overwhelming bouts of writer's block where everything I say sounds so much better in my head than it does in, like, a written format and it's upsetting to me because I have these words inside me but I feel like the energy to get them out is used on other things and I feel like so many people need so much right now from me for various reasons and there's certain people like yes I willingly will give them what energy I have for them but there are other people where I don't know if they appreciate that energy And it's not to say, oh, woe is me. I have these people that love me but also rely on me. I'm happy to be that person. I've I've made it so I am that person. That's who I've been in this world. But I I hate when I feel like I'm not being true to myself as well. And I feel like lately I've been really trying to prove myself in my new job as well. And I think I'm doing a good job. But a lot of my energy has been focused on that. And I woke up yesterday morning with this insane headache. And my mom actually very aptly told me, she's like, I think your body's letting down because you've had this weird week where you've, I mean, I've been working like 15, 16 hour days. And I mean, even when I'm off, I'm like searching for content for the blog, for my work, or I'm working on social media posts. And it's just, it's felt really daunting. And it is one of those things where I'm like, hey, this is forward momentum. I'm doing things I want to do, and I'm doing them for my future. But sometimes I wonder, like, I feel kind of like a hack when my my work is subpar. And I'm just not a person that wants to put subpar work out there. And so I definitely have been feeling that way, too. And I feel like sometimes I'm phoning it in. And I think you and I, we 
talked about that yesterday. Like that's that's a fear. That's something we need to hold ourselves accountable to is we want to have this creative life, but also we want to have time to ourselves. And so it's it's about balancing. And I think you and I are both work-wise kind of a little bit in over our heads right now, but I think it'll even out. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's the hope, right? It's like eventually we come through this and we get to live the life we want to live because we worked hard and did what we had to, but there's still this like nagging fear and like, I, I love and respect a lot of people who have worked in business for a very long time, but there's still this like gnawing fear of like, oh, I have a corporate job. I'm a fucking sellout. And then when you have a down couple of weeks and you're not your usual productive self, it just compounds this deep fear of never getting where you want to be and settling for a life that you kind of swore away from. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because sometimes yeah. you, you have to. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a step. It's not your forever, but it is a step. But it's hard to be at that plateau at times. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I'm getting a little freaked out. It's challenging. Freak- yeah. I'm getting a little freaked out because I will be reading, not on the podcast, but in at an event soon. And I'm a little nervous about that. I think partially because I'm feeling very kind of like at a standstill with my creative life and so it feels sort of fraudulent to read a poem i think that's part of why i like having readings on this show mm-hmm. is that they're like it's one thing to publish something and just put it out there but readings are i think so profoundly personal they are. That's why I love, like, books on tape in the author's own voice are always the best, in my opinion. Well, you like, get to understand gonna... the intent. Yeah, and just, like, the words that are so luscious to them, the ones that have the velvet ring to them in their mind, like, the ones that they put there because they love those words. I love, I love knowing that sort of thing. And I think if you read that poem the way you would read that poem, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I hope so. My dog is on my lap right now, and she's sniffing the mic. So if that noise bothers you, let me know, and I'll put her down. Well, I I thought you were having an asthma issue, but I'm glad to know it's just your dog. Not today, friend. Not today. But yeah, I'm hoping it will go well. It's the first time I've ever uh, done that for a group of people, and the space is large, so I'm a little... I'm not the only reader, so that'll be good. But it's it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh, remember your theater roots. You huh. you can do this. You've done Pass. this. Um, <laughs> all right. So I would love it. Speaking of reading, I would love it if you could read this most recent piece that I'm looking at right now. The Directions for Use. Wonderful. Don't worry, this will set the bar really low, and then you'll feel great going into your reading. Shush. <laughs> to be taken daily, in the evening, when, you'll be not, when you will not be interrupted, for regimental use only. However, should the need for more than the normal dosage arise, then by all means. To start, take one dose without alcohol. It may not mix well. 
The second dose should be with wine. One glass, Cabernet. The third, sober as a priest. The fourth can only be had in conjunction with a well-peated scotch. If you experience dizziness, vivid dreams, temporary insanity, or shortness of breath, call someone. If you experience numbing of the lips, a loss of control, momentary brilliance, or chest pains, use it. Warning. May cause headaches and a loss of respect. Not to be taken for granted and never to be relied upon. To be handled and taken with care. Only for use by people. Consult a friend if you become pretentious or unjustifiably brooding.